Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Higher Education. I'm Ooh. Matt Schanowski, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Rob Thompson. Hello, hello. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I hope everything everyone had a great Thanksgiving as well, and uh, we you know, a great Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, so, what what grade are we? In? Is this seventh grade? This is seventh grade. Yes. Seventh grade. Okay. <clears throat> seventh grade was a big year for me. Got in my first uh, fight in seventh grade. Actually, first two fights within Ooh. two. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Billy Badass over here. Don't want to brag. Old uh, Tussling Thompson. Yeah, yeah. So that's what they call me. They call me the one hitter quitter. You know. Do you remember what they were over? Uh, that th- I think over a girl, or like tangentially a girl. I, that's I'm pretty sure that's what every middle school fights over these days. So, yeah. um, and everyone knows you're a lover and a fighter. But you're right. But I will also fight for what I love. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what about you? Was a what was seventh grade for you? Seventh grade for me. Let's see. I think, like, I, I've just repressed most of middle school at this point. <laughs> um, I just remember learning about PEMDAS. Oh, I had this teacher, Miss Carrie, and she looked like she was about 80, but we found out she was, like, 50. And her son wrote for Two and a Half Men. I remember that. Wow. Yeah. All righty. That's, that, that's, of all the things you repressed, I'm, I'm, glad, <laughs> I, I'm glad you were able to dig that one up. I had not thought about that woman in years. <laughs> well, maybe uh, you should check in on her after this. I'm scared. I'm not gonna like what I find. <laughs> well, well, you mean you know uh, maybe you just kind of you know connect with her and try and get a a fast route to her son. That could Ooh, be. Oh, the... there you go. That's there actually go. a yeah. good call. Boom. Who's the teacher now? <laughs> Learning every day. So. Um, Rob, what are, give me like three to five things you think about when you just think about the nation of Canada. Um, Trudeau. Okay. Um, syrup. There we go. Mounties. Okay. Um, I, it, this isn't a fact. This is more just a me thing. Um, I never know where the cities are, like the major cities. I kind of imagine every major Canadian city kind of just hovering above, like, Minnesota and the Great Lakes. <laughs> um, just all of them? All of them. I have a uh, bad taste in my mouth for Winnipeg. Um, oh, I, I know why. Yeah, because my Atlanta Thrashers... Um, our NHL team here in the great state of Georgia was taken away from us and shipped up to the old Canadians. So not not happy about that. Um, well, if it makes you feel any better, Winnipeg is usually regarded as a shithole. Good. Good. Um, good. So I'm going to go ahead and stop you there. You did a good job. Thank you. Thank um, you. Because... That, I, I, I felt a lot more confident answering that question versus a lot of the questions you've asked me in the past. That was that was a pretty easy one. I have <laughs> yeah, one. That was, a, that was a layup. I have one today that I think is uh, is is going to stump you, but I think you might be able to get it. Um, but anyway, so our second top or our topic is the second thing you mentioned is syrup. Let's go. Um, specifically, maple syrup. Are you a fan of maple syrup, or do you like like the fake log cabin syrup? I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I I, I much the, prefer the fake log cabin. Syrup. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. I feel like we're on the same page here. I, I don't I don't know the last time I had or any time I've had real maple syrup. So yeah, just Aunt Jemima's. Anything you get in the store in a plastic bottle, give it to me. Exactly. So. You may know this based on what you guessed or for our listeners, but Canada produces a lot of syrup. And in Canada, they have the Federation of Maple Syrup Producers, which some have called the OPEC of Maple Syrup. Oh, wow. So, so Rob, you're familiar with OPEC. <laughs> Is this... I, I don't. I don't want to jump to any conclusions here, but is this OPEC of maple syrup going to be just as corrupt? Um, 
Maybe is not just g- as, but it's not okay. good. Oh, okay, okay. All right. I'm I will. I will then. say, uh, they don't start as many wars as uh, yeah, I'll, does. I'll, 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 okay, so yeah, let me rephrase that. At scale, at are scale, they as corrupt? At scale, I would say they are as corrupt as OPEC. Oh my god. Okay, yeah, give it to me. This is okay. I'm actually excited for this. So for real quick, um, before we go ahead, I'm gonna go the. It's a boring part, but let's get it over with. I'm going to explain what a legal cartel is. This is what OPEC and this uh, Federation of Maple Syrup Producers are. I don't so think any. I don't think anything with the word cartel in it you can write off as boring. So just give me the benefit of the doubt. So essentially, say I'm a uh, maple syrup producer. Essentially, this organization says, "Hey, the quota this year is seven barrels of." syrup and also the units we're going to use this whole time is barrels of syrup so seven barrels of syrup is a quota if i produce 10 i can sell seven but they keep three and they put them in this reserve so if um maple syrup production is low one year they can sell them and i can make a profit that year some people like this because they feel it's insurance however some people don't like this because they feel like someone else is limiting how much they can sell and how much money they can make Um, so, uh, before we get into anything else about, you know, why this cartel is good or bad, in theory, that's how a cartel works, uh, is essentially them just imposing a quota so they can build a reserve that they can use in case there's low production one year. Um, and they can also fix prices, um, and elevate prices so they can try and make more money. Um, I think I covered it pretty well. I think you did. And I think that's like, like the best... Or like the first time you've given me like just a strict definition of something, like an actual teaching moment. Yeah, I think it took until the seventh grade, <laughs> and one grade held back. Very true. Um, so essentially, this organization—you know how I said that they keep those barrels. They have a giant warehouse in Quebec, which is the World Syrup Reserve. Um. And, and Quebec is Quebec is directly north of the Great Lakes, correct? Yes, it's. I mean, it, Toronto is the one that is uh, like two miles. Alrighty, uh, cool. Song. So uh, I'm in the right area. They bring in people to audit this World Reserve, um, and how they do an audit in a, with physical inventory like this is an auditor will come in and will climb to the top of these stacks of barrels. And make sure, you know, it looks like there's the right amount of barrels and everything. So, in the year 2012, an auditor comes in and he does what they do. Climbs to the top of the barrels, which, to be honest, like, being an accountant's boring. So, I feel like if you're climbing something, that's a pretty good day. (laughs) Your auditing um, consists of climbing. That's pretty big. Yeah, exactly. That's that's. I know. I have one friend who's an auditor. He'd probably kill if he get to climb. Um, but uh, so uh, this guy is climbing to the top of the barrels, and these are large fifty-gallon drums, like oil. Um, and so all of a sudden, he reaches up and tries to put his foot on one, and the barrel falls out from under him, and he falls like almost has like a near-death fall, and the barrel hits the ground, and it turns out the barrel is empty. so they start looking around and they notice there's a lot more empty barrels and not only that there's a lot of barrels with condensation on the outside so something about these maple syrup barrels is that they do not typically produce any form of condensation if they have syrup inside so okay that makes sense People have been filling these barrels with water and replacing them and saying they're the syrup barrels. And after two weeks of counting, the world syrup reserves are about are out about nine thousand five hundred sixty barrels of syrup. Okay. So Rob, here's my question for you. Is how much do you think a barrel of syrup is worth? Or first let me ask you, how much do you do you know the current price of a barrel of oil? Is this the question? Ballpark? Is this the question you're going to get me at? Yeah. Yeah, well, you got me. So, 
in a year it ranges between fifty and a hundred dollars. Okay. Um, let's just say like seventy-five or sixty for the sake of argument. A single barrel of syrup is worth eighteen hundred dollars, roughly thirty times what a barrel of oil is worth. What? Yes. Which is why someone's you would think if this got as large as OPEC, it'd be way more corrupt. You're well, dealing with much yeah, more value. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it, it kind of makes sense because I guess if we're going like supply and demand. I hope this isn't a, a really dumb take, but there's more oil than syrup in the world, so I kind of get it. I kind of get it. That's true. That's very true. But you, just, but 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 I guess the true shock factor is like oil is an absolute, however you look at it, necessity. Um, Whereas I guess uh, syrup is not. Now our Canadian friends may disagree with us there, but I'm just trying to wrap my head around the price difference, and that probably doesn't make up for all of it because that is still an absurd number. Kind of like Parmesan cheese, like that by the wheel. From what I've heard, is just insane. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where if you told someone that maple syrup is like more expensive than oil, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. It's probably you know." kind of harder to find as you have to tap trees. But I think when you tell them, like, I think you might expect it might be like double the value or something like that, not 30 times the value. Yeah, 30 times is absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, like you you were saying, if at scale, I mean, this could be as corrupt as it gets. Yeah, this could be way worse than OPEC. Um, So, essentially, um, they do all the math. The oil, or, or not the oil, the, <laughs> the Federation of Maple Syrup Producers are out $18 million worth of syrup. Where did and it go? It is the largest heist in Canadian history. Whoa. It was a heist? Oh, yes. I'm getting to that. <laughs> See, okay. So let me just back up and just kind of lay out where my mind was going. I was assuming that the OPEC equivalent, whatever you whatever you called them, the Syrup Federation, um, that they just weren't actually holding it back, but they were just still pushing it out into the markets for for their own financial gain. But you're saying that someone straight up stole this, or yes, that, or the, am I kind of on the right line of thinking? No, that. That's the only way it could have happened is if someone stole it. Okay. And so someone stolen a, has stolen $18 million worth of syrup. So as you can imagine, these are heavy barrels and 9,000 of them are not easy to transport. So you would need a large criminal syndicate to get this done. Yeah. And so at first... <laughs> The media is kind of like, this is ridiculous. Like, like this is literally just a caricature of Canada. Like, the, yeah, can it, we it really is. Seriously? It really is. Um, and essentially, at first, no one knows anything. So what they do is they scramble, and they get a team of over 200 investigators to start investigating this. It's the largest investigation ever to take place in Quebec. Um. Which, honestly, uh, I'm not sure if that's a thing where it's, like, it means you have relatively low crime and it's, like, a nice place to live. Or if it's just further adding to the caricature of, like, oh, we take our syrup seriously. I mean, the only thing that would make it better is if you just saw, like, 20 Mounties or 200 Mounties just cut, just coming over the hillside. On their moose? Yes, on, like, on a moose, just, yeah. Just trying to solve crime. I think that that's the only way that this gets more of a character. Like, if it turns out the hockey players were the ones stealing it or something. (laughs) Or maybe the trailer park boys. Damn you, Sidney Crosby. So, immediately, there are a few names that pop up. And some things that are pretty sketchy. So, there's a man named Avit Karan who owns the warehouse where these are stored. And Avit Karan, or Avit Karan, however you, you pronounce it, 
You're doing um, great. He has a history of fraud. Now, with that being said, he knows absolutely nothing about the syrup industry. He, the only fraud um, he knew was, or he committed was like a, a car insurance fraud. Um, okay. Okay. So it was nothing like too major, but obviously he owns the warehouse. That's going to be one of the first names to pop up. Another name that pops up is Richard Valieris. So Richard is what's called a barrel roller, and a <laughs> nice, pretty on a brand. barrel. A barrel roller is someone who operates in the maple syrup black market. Wait, no, there's there's not. One, there's not a name specifically for that role, and two, there's not, there is not a maple syrup black market. You cannot convince me of that. There's a very prominent maple syrup black market. I I understand I have a young and impressionable seventh grade mind right now, but you are not going to tell me that people are just, like, a black market? Like, so essentially, there are people who are seen as like bootleggers during I prohibition. I was just about to say they're bootleggers. They literally, and so what they do is they don't like the federation, and they go to the producers and they buy it and they find sellers and sell um, the syrup to them uh, without having to go through the federation you know pay their dues their fines deal with their quotas and what whatever else you got to deal with when you go through them what do you think the sentence is for getting caught bootlegging syrup well the thing is i have no idea what bootlegging in the u.s would run you i don't even know where to start with this i i just love how they're called barrel rollers yeah, I mean, pretty just on the nose on that one. I mean, they literally roll the barrels, so yeah, it makes sense. But it, it's also so Canadian that there is enough of a syrup black market to have specific names. I mean, this is this is just beautiful. Like, that, <laughs> that there's a crime ring in Canada centered around maple syrup. This is just incredible. This sounds like a 90s SNL movie, like, of Wayne's World proportions, almost. That's exactly what it is. And, like, I can just see a sketchy guy in a leather jacket, like, in a little alleyway, and, you know, he just slips a little, like, one jacket pocket has a gun, the other has just a mason jar of maple syrup. (laughs) Or it's like that... that... You didn't get it from me. (laughs) Or it's like that thing, like, have you ever watched The Wire? Just, like, whenever they do a drug deal in TV shows where they, like, high-five and exchange the money and then they, like, casually <laughs> hand them instead of, like, they high-five, get the money, and then he just has to pull out, like, a massive jug of syrup. <laughs> yeah, he gives, like, the little, the, the, kind of the wave on to his boys around the corner. So, yeah, you do the, the cash exchange with the handshake and, yeah, just the... Rolling. (laughs) I'd like even better if they do that. Like you do the cash exchange, they come around the corner, you like open your pocket, and someone takes like the IHOP syrup dispenser and just unloads into your pocket. (laughs) All right, now get out. (laughs) You you know how like, um, you know in in these TV drug deals, like they'll they'll test the product. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they'll cut a bag of Coke open, they'll, I don't know, smoke a little weed. Like, do they have, like, that same uh, drip system that you would use to, like, stick into the tree? Do they just shove it in the barrel and then just have it, <laughs> and then just get a little cup of it and, like, just take a shot of syrup just to make sure it's good product? I like to imagine the conversation beforehand. Like, it's one of those, uh, like, in Narcos, when a guy's, like, selling Coke to Pablo Escobar, and he's like, this is the best stuff, blah, 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 and, like, Pablo tastes it, and he's like, it's... He like he, there's a second of anticipation to wait to see where it's good or not. They have that conversation. He like puts his finger on the syrup and tastes it. And he's like, "What the fuck is this? This what is cut. The, <laughs> this is cut. <laughs> What'd you put in this?" And he's like, "No, I didn't mean to do it. I, I know nothing. You know, <laughs> I know Aunt Jemima's when I taste it. And half of this barrel is Aunt Jemima's. You cut it with Aunt Jemima's." <laughs> 
I'd like to imagine that's how some of these deals go down. <laughs> I'm, I consider it a failure if they go any other way. Um, so, one of the other theories that immediately arises is that the Federation itself is behind this. For Here we go. A few reasons. So, one is everything is insured. So, if they can, you know, make it look like they got rid of it, not only can they probably move it somewhere, they can also get off with a lot of insurance fraud. And so, one of the first things that happens is they accuse uh, Richard Valieris, um, because he's the most well-known barrel roller in Quebec, it's also so funny when you, like, uh, when I was, like, researching this and watching the videos, like, it, they're like, oh, yeah, Richard Valieris. Like, everyone knows who he is. <laughs> you don't want you don't want to be caught selling syrup in Richard Valieris' territory. Yeah, so they, they immediately accuse him, and a lot of people, you know, they kind of think that this is the Federation's opportunity to immediately point fingers, be like, this is our scapegoat. Everyone's going to believe that it's this guy. And we can, like, sell these offshore somewhere, unload them, get the insurance money. So we get rid of the competition, we get the insurance money, and we make a profit selling it. Which I honestly think is a very compelling argument, especially given how shady these people are. Yep. I agree. Um, so kind of to go into, like, how the... Um, the organization is shady and the federalized federal ah, the federation of maple syrup producers is shady is they try and make it super illegal to trade outside of them in quebec so if you are caught trading outside of them they'll give you a fine of no less than one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and the fines will get up to millions additionally they have is it worth it is being a barrel roller worth it? Exactly. Additionally, they have a huge government lobby. A massive government lobby. So I mean, there you, been... you, I, mean I, I get that because you do have to protect your nation's greatest asset. <laughs> exactly. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if uh, they just gave them like their own department, like the Department of Maple Syrup. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's in the pecking order. For sure. That's uh, on its way. Um, and, like, it was even to the point where a attorney got some cases overturned at the, like, superior court level um, to say that these fines were unconstitutional because the, the Federation can act with unilateral power to fine you. There's no, like, due process of any sort. Um and so they actually had a small victory, and then seven months later, uh, a bunch of people in the parliament enacted new laws to essentially reestablish everything that they had worked to tear down. Damn you, parliament. Uh, I mean, based on what we've heard about parliament, they don't make good decisions. They, they don't. They, they, they do send, not. <laughs> they sent the people out there to, uh, to get the emus, and now they're, they're making the maple syrup laws. I mean, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, parliaments, especially on this podcast, are 0 for 2. 0 for 2, for sure. Um, so, Richard, um, we're going to go back to him. He gets investigated, and they start to find out there's some shady stuff going on, but they're not sure. So, one of the key pieces of evidence is that the way that... Um, the forklift lifts the barrels, it doesn't damage them at all. Like, the only damage on the barrels at all is from when they're rolled. However, there's a bunch of barrels that are kind of hidden and banged up, and so they had to have used a different kind of forklift. So uh-huh. um, the first thing they do is they go around and they look at all the forklift rental places. Um and this is really their only lead because, like I said, they don't have any cameras at this warehouse. That's just ridiculous. Additionally, there's no tracking numbers or serial numbers 
for any of these barrels of syrup. Okay, so on that note, what year is this? 2012. Are you serious? I swear to God. Like, oh. the, the, their supply chain logistics are god-awful Yeah, what point. the hell, man? Like, I was, ser- I was seriously expecting, like, like true, like, actual, like, prohibition bootlegger, like, era. But this was eight years ago, and they don't have cameras? Yes, exactly. That's what's wild to me. Also, like, they're wealthy enough to afford a powerful government lobby and to impose fines of millions and get those, like actually collect on those but they can't get cameras for their warehouse yeah. of the world supply of syrup I, I, I was about to say forget what i said about protecting your your country's greatest asset you're not i mean at this point like you kind of deserve it this is ridiculous exactly that's that's what i'm thinking so it's i'm upset. The, I, <laughs> i'm not gonna sugarcoat it <laughs> no that was a bad one no i'm, I'm leaving the classroom <laughs> I need to go to timeout for, for a minute. <laughs> um, so, essentially they find that one of these guys, uh, Sebastian uh, Jutras, Ooh, he, he is the one who rented the forklift under his name. And what we know about him is he's a truck driver. And he's really, like, not a big player in the syrup industry. He's not, like... He, he's literally just a truck driver. Um, and, essentially, he is the link. And what he does is he connects um, Avic, or Avic Caron, the owner of the warehouse, and Richard Valliera. So, Avic is the one who owns the warehouse Richard or Sebastian is shipping stuff out of there and Avic comes to Sebastian and essentially says um like do you know anyone who can like get this syrup off my hands um something along those lines and the federation um starts to explore this and they start to gain headway so what they discover is a lot of these people have been taking these barrels at night. They go to a separate warehouse. They move all this syrup into other barrels and other containers. Then what they do is they go down to, they're not sure where, they think the local river, and fill them up with water, then transport them back and make sure it's all done in a pretty timely manner. Yeah. Um, which, to be fair, that's not an easy thing to do. Like That's what I was thinking. Like, how many barrels can you do a night? Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> so based on everything I know, uh, this started in 2011. So they were doing a good bit. I mean, over 9,000 and there's 365 days in a year, let's say. Yeah, dude, it's an $18 million three, operation. Yeah. That, right? Yeah. They're they're bringing in some some pretty damn good money, um, and so they start to kind of crack down, and this is where a new character called Etienne Saint Pierre, the most French oh, man oh, oh. to ever exist, oh, oh. Um, he is a seller of syrup. Um, and I should specify, so producers make the syrup, barrel rollers get them, and then barrel rollers sell to sellers who, like, bottle it, sell it, um, and distribute it. Um, so he is a seller of the syrup. Okay. And what happens is the, I guess, federate, they never really specified in any of my research who actually comes to get it, but they come to him and they say, you bought a bunch of stolen syrup from Richard." And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was under the, like, I bought from Richard before. Um, I was under the impression that this was just, like, syrup from another producer. And something interesting about ATN is he lives in New Brunswick, which means that under some interpretations of the law, he is not subject to the Federation's rules that you have to buy from a licensed seller. 
um, hmm. or a licensed middleman. So good for him. Well, here's the thing. Oh, no. He some people say that the Federation says that's not the case at all. They say anything that comes through Montreal is ours. If it's in the tree, we pretty much own it. Um, so they come and they seize about, I think it's like, it comes out to 2000 gallons or something like that. Um, I think it's like two, I'm trying to remember the exact value, but I think it's $2 million worth of syrup from him. And this starts a revolution. Yes. So syrup farmers, all, I guess farmers is the right word. Syrup producers all across Montreal are pissed because first off, a lot of them have had it with the Federation. They think they, it costs too much. You don't get enough out of it. The people who run the Federation are paid way too highly and it's a corrupt organization. So now whenever the Federation comes to inspect the barrels of someone else and try and seize them, they're pretty much met with an angry mob and Good. are pretty much told, Good. if you come and try and take this syrup, we're going to kill you. Oh, my. It's like that Patrick Henry quote. Give me liberty or give me syrup. <laughs> That's, yep. Word for word. Uh, nailed it. Um, and so things are starting to get pretty testy in, in Canada. A lot of people aren't, you know quite sure which side to be on and which side not to let you know do we try and you know fight the federation or do we kind of side with these people who are rebelling and are technically doing something illegal but you would argue they're doing something that's ethical hey um, i think i think the the syrup farmers i think those people are actually protecting the asset so I'm on their side. I'm very much on their side as well. Um, I also I just I'm also just a fan of the Canadian government just just scrambling around trying to trying to, trying to get a control on the syrup trade. So the 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 more obstacles, the better for me. Yeah, I think it's like I mean at the essence, this is just like a farmers' rebellion, which is like a thing that happens throughout history and a real thing. But it just sounds so much funnier when you say they're the syrup farmers. <laughs> There needs to be like in fifty years, there needs to be like a a, a, a new NHL team. Oh like yeah, the, with the their logo on the barrel rollers. The yes, way better, way better. Dude, if I if I ever get rich enough to buy an NHL franchise, we are one thousand percent going to be the barrel rollers. You know, they're like seriously, like that's the name. Like yep, and I will not budge. Some people I'm, are gonna think it's cool when they hear the story behind it. But I, you know who I'm worried about coming after me? Who? The Federation. The Federation, man. Like now that we know that they get kind of they get down kind of dirty, you know, you might have a hit out on you. Exactly. So, the Federation is trying to go around and collect syrup that they think is stolen. That uh, a lot of people could argue they probably people purchase under the pretense that it was not illegal. Um, and essentially they, it's one of those things where like, I think if you purchase something illegal, actually, I don't, I don't want to give people legal advice and say you can buy things that are stolen. I recant what I was about to just say. Um, so, uh, these people think they've rightfully bought it and, uh, a lot of times they're not letting the, the Federation get their syrup. However, things, things start to get taken a little too far. Um, so, There's never too far. There's never too far with syrup. <laughs> so part of the production of maple syrup, you have what's called a sugar shack. I'm not sure exactly what happens there, but that is where some of the processing is done. Of course it's called the sugar shack. I was about to say, I think a lot more gets done than syrup production in there. Yeah, man, with these cartels and all that, man, the Sugar Shack definitely has more than one use. Exactly. So, 
There's this one dude who in this documentary, I just want to go ahead and be on the record. This guy's such a wet blanket. He, and throughout like the documentary I watched on this, the whole time, he's like, oh, the Federation is good, and like I do things the right way. Boo. And then you immediately find out his dad is like one of the founders of the Federation, and they've made like a shit ton of money off it. Dude, this is a movie. Like, the kind of blanket name of the Federation. Like, that's what you call the bad guys in, like, any sci-fi movie or, like, you know, like the big ominous governmental beam is the Federation. But here we're just talking about the people who oversee syrup. Like, that's just, this is just all the makings. And, like, yeah, the, the son of the of the head of the Federation. This is just too much. This is a movie. So... One day, he... I, I think him and his father share a property. Um, makes, it makes sense. Yeah, I know. Daddy's boy, for sure. Do, um, do, they, do they share a sugar shack? I don't... I think the sugar shack is not shared. Okay. That's a fun alliteration. <laughs> sugar shack not shared. Um, so he's walking on his property, and one day, he sees a lot of smoke coming out of the sugar shack. And I don't know if you know this about sugar, but sugar is incredibly flammable. Okay. Um, a lot of people did, don't know this. Did not um, know that. And so, essentially, the shack's been put on fire, and they say it's too late. And the guy is like, this is the only time I've ever seen my dad cry, is when his sugar shack caught on fire. And one thing, I w- one thing I will note is apparently these things catching on fire isn't necessarily normal, but it's also, like, not unheard of by any means. Okay. Because there's a lot of, like, heat used to process and sugar is flammable. Um, And so, apparently, that shack and two other shacks of people who are high up in the Federation are burned within, I think, three weeks of each other. But here's where I kind of get into it, and I kind of think there's a little foul play. And all of the stories about the shacks being burned, they're burned in the daylight. Hmm. So if, if you're insinuating that someone's committing arson, I feel like they wouldn't go about doing it during the day. I agree. Uh, so... so are you getting are you getting at that these people did it themselves? I'm not saying it's out of the picture. Okay. No, yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of if it's in the middle of the day, you're right. I think you're right. So, essentially, once this happens, the the media and the courts kind of get on the side of the federation and are like, "Yeah, this is bad because if the farmers did burn those down, then taking it to the level of arson is not obviously, you know, not ideal. Um, Never is. Never is. And so, eventually, um, Richard Valieris, Avic Caron, and Urcaron, and Etienne St. Pierre are all convicted. No. So, yes. Where's the hard evidence? So, here's where it is. And it's all, in my opinion, very circumstantial. Because they all pled not guilty. Good. The one big piece of evidence is Sebastian, the truck driver. He, he is being pressed hard by the Federation because he works for the Federation primarily to deal their, deliver their syrup. Um, and he goes in and he says... He, so, Etienne, the person who was the seller, seller in terms of he buys syrup from the middle from the barrel roller, he essentially got in contact with Richard, the barrel roller, and Richard said, "Hey, like I have this." connect where we can work with Avic Caron and I can get you all this syrup on the low where we're just going to steal it from this warehouse Mm -hmm. and 
essentially he was like, yeah, let's run it. So, being pressured by the Federation, that is what Sebastian's testimony is. Um, the one thing I will say is, in this documentary, Sebastian seems like a real good guy. So, okay. I, think it, I think it's a little sketchy, but judging I'll take your character... Because I'm starting to get mad at Sebastian, but I'll take your word for it. I, I'm a little mad as well, because at the end of the day, I think we're on the same page, that the Federation is is on some some bullshit for sure. But and this is OPEC. This is yeah, this is OPEC level at scale. At scale. This is OPEC level at scale. Um, so when, so so the, the that begs question, when do we get US government interference at scale? <laughs> when do we get them starting proxy wars in regions of Canada to get better access to pipelines and drills? I'm damn Hey, listen. At scale, it makes sense. So let's. I mean, these are legitimate questions. I think we I think, might have already. I think we're thinking three steps ahead of our own U.S. government. I think we are too. They need to. I think uh, essentially what uh, like the at scale version of what we do is is we send in like uh, a fraternity house or something to try and steal it. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's. Yeah, just just, just the sons of like major like government workers yeah but like you said they're all fraternity brothers so we're we're still tied to the u.s government but yeah it shouldn't take more than that much manpower (laughs) to to completely just destroy or take take our ownership of the canadian syrup trade especially based on the practices we've we've heard about at this point with no cameras and their only real security measure was like a 12 foot tall chain link fence. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure if you ask any fraternity guy, uh, he'll, he'll tell you that he's, he's probably done worse with no cameras. Um, he's probably jumped a higher fence. And when it comes to rolling the barrels, uh, sure. They've rolled kegs a time exactly. or two. So they, they have all the chops to do this. Um, they have the acumen needed. Yes. So if that's our government interference, I think that's enough to take our stake. Oh, for sure. Um, but so these people are found guilty. Do you want to hear what a sentence stealing maple syrup gets you? Okay, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. It's going to be outrageous. I'm keep guessing. In mind, keep in mind before we start the the total cost of. The heist was eighteen million. Eighteen million. Give me thirty years. So Richard, who, or actually, I'm going to start on the bottom end. Okay. So Etienne, who denies till the end that he did not know the syrup was stolen, gets two years house arrest, and. million fine. Oof. Okay. I'd rather go to jail longer. Well, he's old, so... Okay. Um, Avic Caron. So this guy, he has a previous record, too. um, Which is something worth noting. He gets six years of jail time. $1.7 million fine. Okay. Richard, the barrel roller who essentially is the crux of the operation and he's the straw that stirs the drink yep he he gets eight years ten million dollar fine god it's the dollar amount that's killing me see the thing that is crazy to me though is i feel like in the u.s these people get way more time yeah that's kind of where my 30 number came from i mean we're talking like high like like cartels, like you know, this is I mean, this is, seems to be a pretty big deal. So like, only eight years is is very very minuscule in comparison. Yeah, you're I feel like. you're dealing in a black market. At first yes. off, like you're there's like gang activity, and then like simple weed of- simple weed charges have put people behind bars, like for way longer. Exactly, which I think and these is dudes run a full blown like scheme to steal from the Canadian Federation of Syrup or whatever the hell you want to call it. And they, eight, yeah, eight years, two years house arrest. That's why that's wild. 
It's not that bad. I'm sure the Canadian jails are a lot nicer. Probably. They probably come with the syrup. Ooh, that's true. I wonder uh I wonder what if, if that's the, the ultimate stuff. punishment. What if there's no syrup? Ooh. Just and just 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 dry pancakes every morning. Or even worse, according to Canadians, this is worse if you serve someone fake syrup. If you serve Ooh. some Aunt Jemima. Apparently that's an insult. Yes. I hope I hope once again, yes. I let's just lean into the caricature. That's what happens in Canadian prisons. <laughs> that you can't watch hockey. The, those are your big punishments, really. Yeah. Everything else is normal, actually. Yeah, you, you have to watch... What's a sport that Canadians hate? I was going to say basketball, but Toronto won. So, um, I mean... Are there a lot I of Canadian baseball players? Do they care about I baseball? I don't think there's a lot of Canadian baseball players. I mean, they have the Jays, but... What's like a, a sport that will only work in the South? Like any water sports, really? <laughs> any water sports in the South? Um, well, I mean, like, because it's too cold up there. Ah, yes. Or just like a, like a, uh, just reruns of like surfing competitions, because like that's something they'll never have. So just kind of. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're never going to have your syrup and you're never going to have your surfing competition. Yeah. Lesson learned. <laughs> Loser. Or just or just or just YouTube videos of melting ice rinks. No, the horror. <laughs> Make Turn it, it off. stop. Turn it off. <laughs> Turn it off. That's their uh, version of, of waterboarding people in Gitmo. God, just the stereotypes we've enforced in this podcast. It's <laughs> We're not helping the cause. We're not at all. We're not at all. But you know what? The way the Federation's been acting, they deserve it. They do deserve it. I think it's a... I think this was one of my favorite things to research so far in the sense that you just figure out so much ridiculous stuff. Like, there's an OPEC of maple syrup and also a black market that has, like, names set in place. For Barrel it. rollers. Yeah, dude, we we have to acquire a hockey team. It does not have to be NHL. It can be like the third tier of the minor leagues in Canada, but I want a hockey team called the Barrel Rollers. It's honestly it's a pretty damn good name. Am I like it sounds badass. Like taking out of the context of maple syrup, barrel roller sounds like you're about to like basically steamroll the competition that like you know there's nothing stopping you now when you incorporate the syrup part of it yeah but but it's rollers, the bad boys of syrup you're you're exactly right you're right it's a it's got bad boy connotations to it i'm i'm all about it i'm not, I'm actually about to look up barrel rollers hockey just to make sure we're not beaten to the punch to this uh knowing canada they've probably got it um, I think uh, the fact that the, the funniest part to me honestly actually is the fact that this is the largest heist in Canadian history that, that is like, that is that that is something like That's... it'd be like if the largest heist in US history was like someone stealing Big Macs there we go let's make fun of ourselves or like what, what would be another one I don't know, just stealing every f- football in America. <laughs> um, just not just just not allowing the sport to be played. Stealing guns. I feel like that'd be that's definitely a caricature, but at the same time I feel like that's more serious than syrup. A little bit, yep. I could uh just just a slightly. Okay, so I'm actually looking it up. The largest heist in US history is the Dunbar Armored Robbery. Oh, don't get into that. I might use that sometime. I know what it is. <laughs> oh, did I beat you to Back a Back off. To a Pause off. Pause <laughs> okay. off. Okay. I just asked the first, the, the little blurb on Google. All right. I'm off. I'm off. I'm off. I'm off. I'm off. I like how my knowledge of just like niche stupid stuff is. Yeah. What the hell? That's what, I type in largest heist in U.S. history and you already know it. 
That's a good one. I'll, I'll, we might have to save that for when we're feeling another true crime one. Yes. Okay, do we, do so, we, did we just uh, did we just start our own crime podcast? Is that I what they turned into? I don't think there are any of those though. There's not. Um, <laughs> we'll just search well, for the clues ourselves. <laughs> there's this podcast serial where they just list off serials and. Uh, <laughs> Some people say it's about like a crime or something, but I'm like, it's called cereal. I'm about, I'm about sick of your wordplay. This podcast involving sweets. All right. There's been a lot this episode. I was about to try and make some syrup and serious wordplay, but I just went through it in my head and realized it was going to come off so bad. It was not going to hit. It was not going to land. That's usually how mine are, but I go through anyway. I appreciate the confidence. All right, so I think uh, I think we've covered a lot of this. I think we, we've done it pretty in depth. Are you are you ready to move on to takeaways? Yes. So we always have you go first. What, what's your big takeaway? My big less, takeaway. My big. I, takeaway I also is, hold, wait, re, real quick. Yep. Can I say something? I yes. think uh, a lot of people might wonder why we do takeaways, and it's because. You learned history, so you're not doomed to repeat it. Yes. That's what they so, tell you in history class. So, yes. So yeah. So, yeah. You're just making sure I have consumed and processed the information. And you've learned something from it. Yes. So, my takeaway is thank you, Canada. <laughs> thank you for just being as on brand as we thought you were. Um. You really leaned into it. I'm glad that in a country where we make fun of you for not having for not having an aggressive side or a or a rough and rowdy side that you actually do have that and it's in the form of syrup. So just one big thank you to the entire country of Canada. Um yeah, I'm glad I learned this about you and I'm glad that this is a slightly embarrassing moment and probably a very embarrassing moment. Uh, and I will acquire a hockey team, and I will never let you live it down. Um, my my takeaway from this is there's a black market for everything. If you want to make some money, I'm sure there's a black market for batteries. Um, I'm Ooh. sure there's a, a black market for paper. You know what? For- I was going to... I was going to Google black market batteries, but I don't want you to yell at me for having that topic ready to go to. <laughs> I was going to say, that might also put you on some lists. I feel like that, that won't lead good places. <laughs> black market for batteries or paper just sounds like like the grunt work they make, like the special intelligence people do. Like the the guys that they don't trust to take on the real cases. Like Yeah, they, just, they get too much budget and they need to get rid of it. <laughs> go figure out who's selling paper on the black market. Yeah, so, well, I think that that concludes everything. I think this was a good time. Uh, As always, like and share, leave a review. Uh, Me and Rob are going to try and put out more content, so please follow us on social at Lower Education. Um, And uh, thank you, and we'll talk to you guys again next week. Eighth grade, here I come. Peace!